Megaral. How many questions does it usually take to spot? I don't get it, Tyrell. How many questions? 20, 30, cross-referenced. Fiery the angels fell. Deep thunder rolled around their shores, burning with the fires of Orc. memories are hers. Welcome to Shoulder of Orion, the Blade Runner podcast. I am your host, Jamie Prater, and I'm joined by my co-host, Patrick Green, here ready to celebrate 40th anniversary with y- the least controversial topic we oh, could possibly, yeah. possibly Easy lift. Light lift. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, man? I'm well. It's been a really, really busy past few days. As you know, we've been doing a lot of recordings. I've had some friends in town. Yeah, it's been. I'm a little bit tired. I'm, I'm, I'm a little I'm, bit tired too. I'm ready for the new week. Yeah, I think this is going to be. We, we we have good energy for this. I think tonight because we're both completely exhausted. We're recording it out of our normal window. It's a Sunday night that we're doing this. So like, I mean, we've only done Sunday night recordings like twice yeah. in five years. And so clue, anything could happen. Yes, and to clue everyone in, we've probably recorded six shows in the past five days or something like. Yeah, that. it's just been <laughs> we're, we're losing our minds, <laughs> but it's all good and it's all worth it. And uh, and I so tonight's topic is one that. We actually, I was about to say this to you right when we were starting to record. When I tell people that I'm on a Blade Runner show, probably like at least three out of five of them ask, do you think Deckard's a replicant? That's like, it comes up all the time. If it's people who know the movie, if it's, I mean, so I should, I should qualify this. One out of 20 people that I talk to about Blade Runner actually like know the film well enough to, to not be like, wait, there's a podcast about what? You know, so if they, if they know that much. Then almost without fail, they say, so what do you think? Is Deckard a replicant or not? And that interaction that I frequently find myself in is a big reason why I have pushed against us doing this show for forever. Because, Mm -hmm. of course, when we first decided to do this, that was a topic that came up in our list of things that, you know, we were going to get to. And as Jamie knows, this whole time, I've been like so grumpy about the Deckard conversation because I just feel like it's... A few things that I think we'll get into tonight, but one of them is like there is no actual answer to it because the people involved in the making of the movie and its subsequent life and different cuts have had differing opinions about what to do with that question. And because of that, we have something that is really both at the same time. So my like personal feelings about it have always been that the question is really the only truth that there is Mm -hmm. and that that's sort of a nice place to live in. But then I run into people all the time who are like, there is no fucking way that Deckard is a replicant. And if you say he's a replicant, you are tearing this movie apart. It is no longer about a journey of humanity. It is no longer about a man finding redemption and the love of, of this woman, you know, and people get these bizarre trains of thought that are like so black and white. And what's frustrating to me about this question, 
before I finally shut up with my little intro here, is that like Blade Runner is really not about that to me at all. Like it's not about there's a yes or a no, or there's a this or a that. Like Blade Runner to me is all about the the yes and and the both and the unspeakable truths under those things. And I feel like the Decorep debate kind of tries to make Blade Runner into something it's not. And Blade Runner is not some sort of like uh, Christopher Nolan Inception style movie where there are a lot of clues there to figure out and you put them together and you get an answer, right? Um, it's really like a series of clues that don't necessarily lead to any single destination. And that's what's so great about it. So so that's kind of my you know little intro in terms of frustrations that I've had with the Decorep debate over the years. But how do you, what, what's your kind of history with it? And, and why have you been a little bit less cranky about it than I have? I think I'm less cranky because I'm always up for talking about anything. I also feel like I don't mean to make this heavy, not that it's he- heavy, but I grew up very fundamentalist Christian and you couldn't ask a lot of questions. You just couldn't. Religion in and of itself, I don't care what religion you are, is not does not lend itself to be questioned, to question the certainty of that religion. So I came from that loving the discussion about difficult things. Now, and I think that's why I can talk about movies I don't like. For instance, Prometheus. I, you know, I, I just don't like that movie. I don't like it at all. There are obviously things that I love about it, but. I love to talk about what I don't like because during that process, during that process, you discover more about yourself. You discover more about what's behind it, what's frustrating you about it. And you can kind of pinpoint it sometimes, not all the time. So I love, I think conversation is really what helps us grow, which is why therapy is good for everyone. So that's why I'm less cranky. To your point, does it matter that Deckard's a replicant? No. It doesn't matter to me. It also doesn't matter to me if I'm right or I'm wrong. And I think that's sort of what at the bottom of this to me in terms of what I see on forums or in groups and people are talking about Decker rep and they want to be right. They want the last word. And I've, you know, we've all kind of struggled through that. We've always, we've all wanted the last word here or there in discussions or arguments that we've had. Now, to me, I don't care about having the last word. If Joe Schmo or Jill Schmo on social media wants the last word and they want to be right about Decca Rep, I don't give a shit. Like, it doesn't, it's no skin off my back. Like, I don't care. But what I do love is what's really behind this question, which is I brought up to you before we started recording. Why does it matter? Why does it matter? So before we even get into this, maybe even we won't get into that question. The big question is, why does it matter that whether Deckard is a replicant or not? What? Let me ask you that question. Why do you think it matters? Well, I mean, to, to me, it doesn't, which is sort of the the problem with this conversation in the first place. Is, is I, I think the point is that it doesn't matter personally. But if you're asking why I think people might yes. say that, I think- there's a few reasons. I think one of them is that for some people, and honestly, not for me, Deckard is really the protagonistic driving force behind the movie. At the end of the day, that's how he's billed. You know, that's how Harrison Ford is billed on the poster. That's who Harrison Ford is as an actor. He's a leading man who does, you know, really charismatic jobs. And Deckard in the novel is pretty indisputably the central character in it. And in the film, he is very much a cipher for me in terms of like, he's kind of navigating his way through this world, Mm -hmm. but he's not like my hero, you know, (laughs) like he's not somebody that I'm like really like looking up to and like identifying with. 
Um, and so, so I think for, for me, that's part of where this separation lies. I think a lot of other people though, uh, don't feel that way. Like we, we have, you know, people personally, good friends of ours who really idolize Deckard and, you know, Deckard's journey in this film really speaks to them a lot. It speaks to me too, to be sure. But at the end of the day, like he's not, I don't really look at Blade Runner as the story of Rick Deckard, you know? Agreed. I think some people do. And and now, so the next question to that is like, well, then how does that have anything to do with the Deckard conversation? Because it, it shouldn't matter what he is. But What's so interesting about it, and Rucker Hauer actually says this beautifully on the original Decorap featurette that um, Charles de Lazarica produced for the collector's edition. Rucker Hauer has this beautiful quote where he says something like, he's saying that it doesn't matter to him. But what's so fascinating is that like, no matter how you look at the question, the movie still functions well. So it's like a movie that you can't break, you know? And, and I really think that that's true. I think that if you look at it as a story of a human refine, regaining his quote unquote humanity, then it's a really beautiful redemptive arc about the human spirit in, you know, a tumultuous context or love's ability to travel, you know, between beings, you know, and, and to bridge gaps between, you know, the walls we put between ourselves or something. Mm-hmm. Or if you look at it as he's a replicant, then it's a, a really deeply personal and sad story of this, you know, being that was created to hunt its own kind and that it didn't know its own past. And that's why he, as Paul Salmon, I think in that same, uh, in the same documentary feature from the collector's edition points out, you know, Deckard has photos everywhere. His apartment is replete with photographs. You look at his piano, he can barely even move it because it's just pictures on pictures, right? That's like very replicant behavior in terms of Leon and his photographs and the photos they carry with them. So like, there's also an aspect of if he is a replicant and he doesn't know it, then like all of these little quirks that we think of as Deckardisms are really quirks of replicants that like then kind of work themselves out to, to be this totally different story. And in that case, then it's about two replicants finding love together and, you know, breaking that wall that Joshi was on to talk about in 2049. So I think the movie works really well, regardless of how you look at it. And I think that um, what the, the thing people get hung up on to go back to your question is that like the movie for them the way that it's become personal to them really only works if he is is or is not a replicant in their eyes. And I think that's kind of what frustrates some people who get set in that kind of mindset. But what, what do you think about that? Well, that just poses another question for me, and I'll bring up 2049. Does it matter that K is a replicant? No. Can we feel the loneliness of, K, of K's life in 2049 as people? Yes, we can. Because it's the same way we can look at a dog that looks emaciated and sad in a video and feel empathy for it. Why? Because empathy is universal. It doesn't matter what these creatures are. You know, I saw a a friend of mine a few weeks ago pick up a bee from a pool because we were all going in the pool and he picked it up and he rescued the bee and the bee kind of took its time and got dry and found itself and then flew off. And that was just this really beautiful moment. Does it matter that it was a bee? No. What mattered was was that moment in doing the right thing and saving a life, no matter how small. That's why I don't think it matters, this question. The reverse is, okay, so let's just say in, a univer- in, in another universe, Deckard is a replicant. Let's just say that they came out and said, yes, he is. But he's not a robot. So why would that matter? He's still a man. He's just a different kind of man. There are movies where we, you know, for instance, um, the Alien series, 
Walter is a droid that I really liked. I really just found empathy with him. I found, but I don't, it doesn't matter to me that he was a robot. He just seemed kind. Now, could it be programming? Sure, it could be. That's where his kindness and his docileness comes from. I mean, it most likely is his programming, but I made a connection with him because I found myself in him. Just like I can connect with women, female characters, and I'm not a woman, and it doesn't matter because we have a shared experience as people. And that's what the hill that I can't get over with when people bring up, well, if he's not a human, then, you know, this messes it up for me. Why? He's a living, breathing person. He might not be just like you, but he's a living, breathing person. But again, it gets into why people have hard time with other the other. This is a question about someone being an other, where it's the exact same person we're seeing, the only, but for some people, it's, is he this or is he that? But it doesn't matter if he's this or if he's that. That person is staring at you at the moment. Like, that's what I don't understand. To me, him not being human, if he isn't human, makes his story even more engrossing and interesting to me. Have, uh, just like the film AI, Artificial Intelligence, directed by Steven Spielberg, um, the protagonist is played by the kid who is in- Haley Joe Osment. Haley Joe Osment, yes. Yeah. He, his name is David, oddly enough, in this movie. And he has, it's just a beautiful, nuanced, subtle, terrifying, wonderful performance from this little boy. And- as a droid who is turned on and then imprinted, but I felt so much kinship with him as a child. I, so much of who I am as a child, I saw, I saw myself in David. So why can, like, I, that's the thing, like, I don't have a hard time jumping, like, we, that's why we can watch Winnie the Pooh and, and, or many other animated shows about animals. And connect with them. Why? Because it's about what they're experiencing. It's about the story that's happening. That's why we connect with it. So whether Deckard is a replicant or not shouldn't matter, in my opinion. I think part of the part of the problem with this question is that like you and I are in agreement about all of it, but I, I think that to to try to be empathetic with the people who are in disagreement with us, I don't think it's necessarily fair to say that they lack empathy or to say that they don't see others because I think a lot of them do. I'm I'm sure that's not the case for everybody. I think for a lot of people, it's the way that this has happened over time, and the fact that like when Blade Runner came out in 1982, it was not a question like that was it was very clearly the story of a human man who was a blade runner finding his quote-unquote humanity right and then what you have then decades later is new cuts of the film where you see his eyes are glowing in his apartment and you see the unicorn sequence and you've you know it totally recontextualizes the ending of the movie and all of a sudden gaff is giving him this little window into his own memory and so if for the people who had 20 years of blade runner before that where they really identified with deckard as a human 
to be basically contradicted by the director of the movie who's giving them you know new information is 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 interesting but also like take into account that it's not just you know grumpy fans saying that it's also harrison ford and it's also very notably hampton fancher right both of them are very vocal in disagreeing with ridley scott on this and ridley scott is somebody who we know isn't necessarily the easiest person to work with. And he has been like, not only categorical in saying that Deckard is a replicant, according to him, but like pretty aggressive about it. Like he, he, he's, he's like, like, why would you think anything else? I've given you the final cut of the movie. There is absolutely no question at this point. That's what the story is. So what's frustrating about this question is that you have like basically all of, and David Peoples is like, well, I guess, you know, it could be, he could be a replicant. That works, you know? So you have all these people who are behind this film with all this creative power who uh, are completely disagreeing about it, right? So depending on like where you came... So when I came into Blade Runner, it was already an old movie. Like, you know, if I go back to the first year that I watched it, what was it, 1998? Something like that. 1972? <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was 200 BC. <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 you know, 15, 20 years after the movie came out. So like I didn't... For me, like I was just... You know, when the final cut came out a few years after that, I was like, oh, whoa, that's that's pretty cool. I didn't really consider that. But like, I wasn't, you know, a 12 year old in the movie theater watching this story of Han Solo, you know, and being like, oh, man, I really identify with this character. So I can see that there's a little bit, you know, of this thing going on that I think we see in other franchises as well, where like the people who are in charge of making it go back and revise things. Uh, probably the best example of that I can think of is George Lucas, who pissed everybody off when he went back to the original trilogy and edited things hugely and added a lot of digital effects and just fucked up the you know order of events and, and all of these continuity issues and all these things that just like threw off characterizations, maybe even most notably being also a Harrison Ford moment when he you know is in the cantina in the beginning of the movie. It just throws off his whole characterization, right? When uh, when Greedo shoots him and he does the fucking craziest head maneuver in the, in the world and, you know, shoots him back, you know, that, that pissed me off hugely. And I was still a kid when that happened. And I was like, what the fuck happened to these movies? Like if somebody went in, into Blade Runner and like fucked up, not fucked up, but like played around with the real philosophical underpinnings of it like that, I could see that being a really frustrating scenario to be in, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Now, let me ask you this as someone of color, I feel like I can bring this up where you, or maybe not even my color, but just in terms of gender. And there have been movies where roles have been gender swapped and people have a hard time with it. And, uh, and I feel like some of this conversation for Decca rep is rooted in the same thing. Like this is not how it's supposed to be. This isn't, this isn't how it is. And I, I feel like, and I don't mean to, Gen- make a general statement to say people who have a hard time with this have a hard time with the the others or they're racist. I'm not saying that, but at the same time, I do feel like things are connected. I really do. You know, you have a lot of uh, people in the Tolkien fandom, you know, crying bloody murder that an elf is black. Elves aren't black, they're white. Deckard isn't a human, he's a replicant. Like, who gives a shit? But for whatever reason. Now, I don't equate those things. I don't think the question of, of who Deckard is or what Deckard is, is the same thing as whether an elf should be black or white. They're similar, but they're also very different, where usually people who have a hard time with a black elf are people who have a hard time with black people. I'm just going to say that. I don't, there's no, 
but I don't think, I don't believe that people who have a hard time with Deckard being human or replicant, like have a hard time. You know what I mean? Like they don't hate animals. You know what I mean? They don't, I don't, I don't think that they're, they're equal, but I, I think that there's some similar questions behind it. Why does it really matter to us as people, whether or not we can box Deckard in? Why does it matter? Now, to your point, maybe it does matter to the story. Maybe it's, it shouldn't even be a maybe for some people be like, what? Maybe no, it matters everything to the story. If this isn't a man who's finding his humanity and just a replicant who's following protocol, it changes the movie entirely. I guess at the same time, Kay goes through the sim- a very similar thing. You, you meet him and he's asleep at the wheel. We, I've said those words on the show before about him and his, he's just kind of blah in his life. He's under control. He's doing what he needs to do, but something wakes him up to, to a larger life, a fuller life, something really profound happens. And with Deckard, it's the same thing. So why don't we care about Kay? Not that we don't care because it's very specific. You know, it's, they said it in the film, uh, you know, uh, what's his name says it to him. I don't kill my own kind. And we find out that K is a replicant, but it doesn't impede on his story. It doesn't impede on him finding a fuller life and doing what's right. We, we're along for the ride with him and it doesn't matter that he's a replicant. So why does it matter if Deckard is or not? That's again, the hill that I don't, I can't get over, but I also think it's human nature to try and put things in a box. And I don't think it's so much put things in a box because we can't all the time because we can't see things outside of a box because most of our lives are outside of a box. Most of our daily experiences dealing with challenges that we've never faced before, whether it's small things, you know, certainly with children, it's haphazard. You don't know, you don't know what's going to happen from one moment, moment to the next with kids. Kids are lawless. Kids, kids don't, you know, and so we live a life outside of a box. So it's always interesting to me, when people want to box things up. But I also think, I think what's really behind this is certainty. People want certainty because there is nothing certain in this life. We want certainty in our stories, which is why religion is so comforting to so many people because it's certain and life can be scary if you're not at peace with uncertainty. And I think the question of whether or not Deckard is a replicant revolves around certainty. People are certain. What happens if he really isn't a replicant? Or And what, what does that mean? How do I love this film? Or if he is a human, how do I love this film? Because it, it interrupts my idea of what the story should be. And I think that's at, what's at the heart of this. Maybe it isn't, and maybe it isn't, and this is why maybe uh, maybe a good idea would be to have somebody who actually has a firm opinion on this to come on instead of us just both being like, well, does it matter? I don't know. Because I, I would be curious to hear, and, and this is sort of in the spirit of empathy, more of the reasons why it does matter to them. Because to me, it, to me, I don't really see it. I do, though, see the argument that the movie existed as one thing for 25 years, and then all of a sudden, like a pretty central thing in it was swapped. You know, and, and that, that I can see that being very destabilizing for people. You know, I think Kay's story, of course, resonates with us as a quote unquote human story, you know, and and and, and I love his journey. But I also feel like there is a, a material difference there in that it, within five minutes of the beginning of the movie, we are told 
like what he is and there's not really a doubt so then we were watching the journey of a replicant you know and we were told you know the the journey of deckard was of a human and then decades later it was changed to being like well was it you know and the people who made it have a disagreement about it so it, it is it is sort of like a frustrating change that being said though to, to me, part of why it works so beautifully is because it continues to allow the film to be even more ambivalent, right? It continues to give us more space to try to, you know, inject our own subjective viewing of the film into and to find the story in it that we love. I will say that when I watch the movie, and this might be an interesting thing to talk about, uh, I never watch it as Deckard as a replicant. I just don't. Um, I'm not like, and it's not, that's not some sort of like an opinion that I have. It's just like I'm watching Rick Deckard's story and he's not... He's not a replicant. I think it'd be kind of fun to try to watch it thinking that the entire time, being like, oh, he doesn't know what's really going on. Oh, there's like this other layer of kind of mystery that is going to be unraveled. Um, I think it'd be kind of fun to watch it like that. But like, but the way that I watch it is the way that I saw the theatrical cut for the first time when I got that VHS tape, which has pretty much cemented it in my mind as like, this is a quote unquote human story. Um, so when I'm watching it, I'm not like fighting with myself about like, oh, there's a box that I'm putting him in. And it's like, if I don't, if I don't do that, I'm not seeing others for who they really are. It's more just like this. This is like Rick Deckard's story. And Rick Deckard is, is a human as opposed to this new version of it where like he could be or he couldn't be, um, which I find more interesting. Like I vastly prefer the final cut. Um, I, I absolutely love it. But, um, you know, there is plenty of room for ambivalence there. And I guess that's part of why, you know, I do love it so much. I think what's interesting is that like Blade Runner presents us, like we always say with all these questions, right? So for most movies, I think this would be like, a, and I do actually mean this, I think it would break most movies, this question. I think that if they had gone decades later into a movie, like for example, uh, you know, picture, um, what's like a good example? Of this? We'll take Harrison Ford. So like Indiana Jones, right? So like, let's say that like 30 years after Indiana Jones went made, like Lucas and company went in and they made it so that um, Indiana Jones was actually a Nazi. Very different argument. <laughs> Obviously, everything's very different in this case, right? But like, but it, it's in Nazis and, and replicants are very far from each other. But what I'm saying is that, like, it just throws this whole, and then it's like, is he or isn't he, right? Because, like, there was a swastika on the back of, like, his boot that we didn't notice in an earlier cut of the film that was there all of a sudden, but, like, that's all it's talked about. Like, that would be, for obviously, because he would be a fucking Nazi in this case, really infuriating, right? So, likewise, I think that for Blade Runner, like, what's so interesting about it is that we have something that, like, it is a huge deal, Right. Like it is a very big deal if he, because not just because it's like our incapacity to like, to deal with, with otherness, but because like it's the, it's just a different story. Right. Like as a narrative, if he's a replicant who doesn't know what he is and then finds another replicant and then escapes with her, like that just says different things about this world and about his experience of it that like make the movie different than if he's just this like this detective human who, you know, blah, blah, blah. So like, so that that is like it's like a different a different movie. But what's so amazing about Blade Runner is that like it doesn't break it. It actually improves it, I think. And that's what is so fascinating to me is that the final cut, which is the one that I love, is the one that really leans into that question because the people who created it now officially disagree on this fundamental thing. So like it's more interesting because it's Blade Runner and because Blade Runner 
lean so heavily into questions like that in the first place. And what's so great is that this fundamental question that it's leaning on doesn't break because that's kind of the big question that we're asking ourselves the entire film, which is like, what makes us us and what makes them them? That Which is kind of what we're supposed to be dealing with ourselves the whole time and to be looking for the fallacy of that need to categorize things in the first place. So like we're doing that as this film is doing it and we're in this weird synchronous journey of discovery with it. And then we end the movie and we go like, wait a minute, his eyes were definitely glowing, right? And then you go back to it and you're like, fuck, they were, wait a minute. And then you see it slightly differently the next time and it evolves with you. That's, that's pretty amazing, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, while you were talking, I, I, I can't help but bring up my own hangups with joy. Not that we're going to talk about that, but my own, is she, isn't she? Is she real? Isn't she real? And does it matter to the story? But to your larger question or your bigger question, or not maybe not your question, but to your other comment about when you watch the movie, when I watch Blade Runner, I don't even think about that question. I don't even, doesn't even, I don't even, I can't even process it. It's not about that for me. It's about the world that I'm in. It's about the larger question of more human than human and what makes us human, because there are things that made Rachel human, even though she technically wasn't. There are things that make Zora human, even though she technically wasn't. Arguably, Roy Batty is the most human person we've seen, even though he technically wasn't a human. So it's never messed with how I view the story. It just isn't something that I I care about. I do find it interesting that some people care about it. I don't, I don't get that. That's okay. We all come into movies and we experience them very different as we should because we're different people. But Blade Runner for me are the larger questions. You know, what makes us human? And we can ask that about Rick Deckard, whether he's a human or not. He's whatever he is, he's almost he is almost psychologically a robot. He's just kind of doing his job by the numbers. He doesn't want, he's called back into service. He doesn't want to do it. He's emotionally checked out. Doesn't matter whether Deckard the human is emotionally checked out or Deckard the replicant is emotionally checked out. The character in front of us is emotionally checked out and the journey he goes on based off his experiences is something that's universal. So for me, that doesn't matter whether he escapes with her and they end up, you know, he ends up being a replicant. That's just, that's just, I don't know. That part is uninteresting to me. So the bigger question as to why it matters to people is something that I, I'm curious about because it's never, ever, ever mattered to me. So as we continue this discussion in the next episode with some other people, I would love to hear why it might matter to them because it's never mattered to me. I, I do have to push back on you for a second because I think what you're saying is that is what I'm saying, which is that when you're watching the movie, you are not thinking to yourself, Deckard is a replicant. And I think by virtue of not thinking to yourself, Deckard is a replicant, I think you're just by default thinking of him as human because that's the way the movie was structured no, originally. I would disagree with that. Deckard, so you're De- completely agnostic yes. as to any, like you're Deckard just is like, such oh, an innocuous like character. Being. Yeah. He's such an innocuous nothing character. In some ways, in but do you fun- think if you if you if you were a replicant, you wouldn't be like focusing on the fact that he was like a re- you wouldn't be like wow this replicant doesn't know what it's actually doing and it's actually if it you, was, you wouldn't be thinking about that at all if it was I think about that with K all the it, time right? yeah because we know if I knew that right. about Deckard yes it would I would be thinking about it but because we don't know anything I don't ever think about it I don't even Deckard I don't even start caring about Deckard till the end till he you, he comes to himself and he sees Roy 
describe to him what being a human is like. That's when I start yeah. caring about Deckard. The rest of it, I don't care. I don't even think about him. At all, like this, the main character in the movie, you just don't don't think about. But him I feel whatsoever. like he's more of a cipher. Like he's more of a like. Yeah. I just he's so emotionless and jerky. He's such a jerk yeah. for a while. It just doesn't. Nothing about him resonates to me. So when I'm in Blade Runner, when I'm in that world, what's capturing the, me the most at, in during those moments are the sights and the sounds. That's where I'm losing myself and. um the, the story dialogue. too, though, right? No, like, for sure the, the story. story. For sure the story. Right? I'm just but isn't saying, the story different if he's a replicant? That's, I guess that's what I'm saying. It's a different story, right? Uh, it would be a different movie if he was a replicant, if they went on record yeah. and said in the movie, yes, you're a replicant. It, right. They didn't. So it's... But the director has gone on record and said that he's a replicant. The, yeah, the but that was his opinion. That was his opinion. But he's the guy that shot the movie with Jordan Cronoweth. He was the man who made it. You know what I mean? But that was his opinion. And there's differing opinions by the guy who actually played the character. That's a difference right. too. So what? Yeah. who do you believe? You know? That's, the guy that's who, why this conversation sucks. That's why it's frustrating to me. Well, that's why I, that part of it doesn't interest me so much. I mean, we right. can get in the, the big... I mean, for, there's a moment in the movie where when Deckard comes into the LAPD and Bryant says, I need you, Dex. This is a bad one. The worst yet. I need the old Blade Runner. I need your magic. You squid when I come in here, Brian. I'm twice as quit now. Stop right where you are. You know the score, pal. You're not cop, you're little people. To me, that could have meant you're a replicant, you do as I say. There's a strong evidence for that. That's interesting. All we can do is say, oh, that's interesting and move on. I Those things don't aren't compelling to me. I want the questions of why do you care? Why do you care if Deckard's a replicant? That's the most interesting part of this discussion for me. It's less about Deckard and who he is and more about the person asking the question. Let me ask you this question, Patrick. What is your opinion on certainty? Not related to this to this question of Deckard. What is your opinion on certainty? I just want to know because you can say ambivalent, like, and we know what we love about sci-fi. You and me and so many other people are the questions and the ambivalence. That's what we love. But I can answer that question a little bit differently about my life. As just a person going yes. about life. Yes. There are things that I want to be certain, like I want to have a secure environment for my family and I want to have like income and I want to have health for my family, you know, like there's things that I want certainty on. But in general, the art that I'm attracted to is always much more subjective and much more open-ended. Um, and that I think really extends to my aesthetics in music and in film and in not being told what to feel about something or why to feel that way about it. Because I think that the best art is usually in the ellipses before and after things in the way that it lives with us. So like to me, like a good barometer of if a movie works or not is if I walk out not knowing exactly how I feel, but unable to stop thinking about it. Like those are the movies that I always love, right? And then three days later, it's like all I can think about. So for yeah, for me, certainty in the context of movies is very unimportant. That's also part of why I'm not the sort of person who dissects costuming decisions, you know, with a microscope and thinks like, oh, this patch must mean this because of this. I love people who do that. But like, that's just not really the way that I experience these things. Because I look at them more as like holistic statements, you know, and like the ideas that come out of them to me um, start to get kind of messed with a little, a little bit when I start to like hyper overanalyze technical aspects of things because it loses some of that magic because it becomes more certain. And I can say like, oh, this person said this, ergo that, 
okay, I guess that's kind of the end of that line of questioning. And that's part of why Decorep bothers me so much as a conversation is because it really feels like people groping around for an answer on something to make it feel like there is a definitive yes or no. When, um, like, I just find the movie more interesting when it, it, when, like you're saying, when it doesn't matter or when, you know, you're just sort of watching it and what happens happens, but it's not, you're not watching it from the perspective of like, I'm going to now view this movie as though he is a replicant. So that means that the implications would be A, B, C, D. And because of that, you know, this works and this doesn't work. I just, that's not really the way that, that I watch things. I hear you. And again, I'm very similar in my life. I would be different. I, you know, having grown up being told everything about this is how this is, and this is how this is, and this is what you do. And that's what you do. That there was a, as much as it made me uncomfortable as a child and as a young teenager and as a young adult living where I lived, it was comforting too, knowing that, okay, I have the, all of these walls here, not just insulating me, but giving me answers. And, but then as I got older, I was like, fuck this. Like, this doesn't, I, can't I question this? And I started questioning things. And they, those questions then asked more questions and the wall started crumbling for me personally. Now in movies, I, I do love ambivalence and, or ambiguity is probably a better word, depending, because then we have, uh, this discussion about the movie Nope, which we haven't really talked about, and I don't want to make this discussion about Nope, but I wanted more of a story. It was too ambiguous for me. I still don't know what that movie was. I haven't even thought about it once until I'm just bringing it up now because I'm brought up the topic of ambiguity, but I wanted something a little bit more from that movie, and I just didn't get it. Like, that movie was all over the place, and I have no idea what it's about. I don't even care. Like, I, I just... There was no real d d discernible story there for me, um, but it, I don't fault the movie. I just fault myself. But because I have a hard time with it, I won't be watching it again anytime soon unless I'm with someone else. So I bring that idea into the discussion of Decarep, where it becomes difficult for people to watch something if they have conclusive information one way or the other. And that, I think, is fascinating. And But I think we are creatures... Whether you and I enjoy ambigu ambiguity in movies or ambivalence in movies and we like the questions, there are people who don't like movies told that way. There are people who want a movie made by Steven Spielberg or Michael Bay because it's a beginning, a middle, and end, and it's this perfect little rat box. I hate movies like that. I hate movies that tell me everything. And I, I, I find it interesting in conversations that I read on social media from hardcore Blade Runner fans and how in those conversations, you can see people wildly different. They have wildly differing opinions on something. And for them, they're like, no way. If this happens, it becomes this movie. And that to me, that's still this notion of, you know, holding on to certainty because like your world crumbles. And that is what I really want to get behind with this discussion. So when we have our friend Peter from the Midwest, Dr. Robin Bunce and maybe Micah on to discuss this, we'll kind of maybe we'll understand it more because I think in large part, you're right. You and I agree on a lot of this, but there's something deeper here. And that's what I'm after. Yeah, I do think we, we agree on it for the most part. And in, in my watching the movie just sort of with this tacit assumption that he's human is it's just happening because it's sort of the what that's what the movie is telling me you know what i mean but it's not because i'm like putting a wall up like he must be human and therefore these questions uh, it's just i'm just watching deckard you know it's it's nope i do think we should do a frame rate because i find very deep 
things going on there and, and very structurally intelligent things going on that do have a lot to say. I'm sure about it does. The human I just condition didn't. Yeah, it might not might not speak to you, but I think I think I think Nope has a lot to say about the nature of spectacle in society and about how we uh, you know always need a car crash to look at and what happens if the car crash looks back at us. I think there's actually really interesting things going on there. That being said, that's for another conversation, obviously. Which, if you'd like to join our Patreon program, maybe you'll hear if you go to BladeRunnerPodcast.com/support. Earlier in, in tonight's conversation, I was talking about the same thing when I was talking about Christopher Nolan, right? As like a good study in a very different approach to filmmaking, right? So Christopher Nolan, who we both admire hugely, um, you know, I, I've, I've had some more faults with some of his more recent things than you have, but overall, you know, I, I think he's done some of the most amazing things on film in the last 20 years. Christopher Nolan is like all about not allowing ambivalence to exist past the end credits of the movie or like maybe allowing it to like exist in a very finite way as soon as the movie's over. But like, you know, he's a master at taking movies that feel like they are like Blade Runner, where it's just this very open-ended thing and then giving you all these breadcrumbs to go and close little doors with, right? Um, that is thrilling in its own right. And there's definitely a, a, a way to make movies where that works really well. And you can have a movie like Interstellar, for example, which is a masterpiece without question, in my mm -hmm. opinion, that is a movie that allows this sort of ambiguity to exist in a post-factual sense, meaning that like science is used to buttress the film up to a point and then like mysteries are allowed to persevere about time and family and things. Like that's really beautiful. But for the most part, his movies are very much like, you know, kind of open open up a mysterious door and then shut it. Part of why I absolutely f fucking despise Tenet. And I almost feel bad saying that because you gave me your download code for it. So I feel like I'm like no, shitting I, on I agree with you. I think it's his worst film. Now, I think for a Nolan film, it's his worst film, but for a lot of other stuff that's released, it's still better than those. But I agree. Oh, with I disagree you. so. I disagree really? so much with you on that. I think it's one of the worst movies I've seen in recent years. Really? Because yeah, because it it takes this kind of interesting idea, right, of like retrograde time, and it just makes the entire movie about talking about that concept. So it's this like whole movie where it's just a bunch of set pieces that where people are just talking about what's going on, like constantly. It's just like the movie is 98% exposition, right? And so like, there's no characters to root for. There's no setting to fall in love with. There's no technology that's interesting other than like the, the revolving door. It's just like this, this just expositional going the entire time where they just talk about what retrograde time does to things. Um, and like, that's so uninteresting to me because that's an example of one of his worst traits, I think, which is taking a really interesting, mysterious philosophical context and then turning too many lights on so that you see where the walls are again, you know? So I think part of the Decorep thing that frustrates me is that it is people, it's people trying to put, turn the lights on in a room that I don't want the lights on. Like, I'm, I'm like, just, just like, let me be here in the dark mm -hmm. smoke filled watery streets and like watch this movie. Um, and part of the beauty of Blade Runner, and this is something that you and I have seen time and again over the last years in almost every time we bring it up with people is that it means very specific things to very different people. And like nobody has the same Blade Runner experience as anybody else. And I think back to our live event as a great example of that. You know, which is the only time where I've gotten to directly interact with hundreds of in-person Blade Runner fans at the same time before. And like everybody had seen things in the movie that I had missed or like everybody had questions for me that I never even considered before because like they're watching the movie that I've never seen before because it's their version of Blade Runner. So when people fight about Decorep, it it's just like – they're missing the the point of the movie. I mean, in in a very literal way, I think, because that's not the point of the movie whatsoever. 
But in a deeper way, they're missing the point of watching Blade Runner, I think, because we're not supposed to be Christopher Nolan opening doors and turning lights on all over the place. Like we're supposed to be just in this moment in time mm-hmm. and dealing with the reverberations of that moment in our hearts. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what frustrates me about this a little bit, I think. I would agree. And to your point about Christopher Nolan, I think why Tenet is not a good film is that Christopher Nolan sets out to tell you everything about a story. He's not giving, he's not opening up for interpretation. He's not trying to let you experience your own version of that. He's saying, this is what happens. This is how it happens. This is why it happens. And that is what is disinteresting to me about Tenet. It's so lost in exposition. It's so lost in this story. And the whole thing that in terms of time and retrograde time or whatever, that's like the least interesting part of that movie the most interesting part of the movie should be the characters and they weren't and it was like he was trying to make the 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 tenant the time travel whatever the most interesting and it just wasn't and so everything else around it just kind of fell away um but the again to your point the beauty of blade runner is that it's one big question or several hundred questions and they're different every time and with nolan i mean I agree with you about Interstellar. It is a masterpiece. I feel different things when I watch the movie. It's it's a movie you can watch on repeat. I think um, Inception is similar to Tenet in a way, but very different. But it's a story that he wants to tell you. He's going to tell you like there's no there's very little ambiguity, but there is some there's some fundamental ambiguity in Inception, especially towards the end. So you don't know what you just saw which I think is was genius. And that's how you want to leave the story. And that's exactly how I think for better or for worse in terms of Ridley Scott's own ideas, the final cut leaves us with what did we just see? Well, what did you just see? Let's talk about it. And those are the kind of movies that I love. And I would argue as we come to closing on this, that the the reason why the final cut is my favorite cut of the movie, one of them, is that it is the one that is most full of that unanswerable question. And in some way, the Decorep question is what elevates the movie a little bit because it makes it even less literal, right? It makes it even less definable. Um, And so, you're watching something that is like so full of mystery that you either submit to that unknowableness or you get cranky about it and you argue with people online. I do think that we live in a world where uncertainty is increasingly a problem in terms of like the real actual environment that we're living in, right? Yeah. It's a, it's a scary time for people. And I think that in times like this, we tend to grasp for certainty to lean on, right? We, we look for movies that are – we look for Marvel films, right? Because they're pretty simple stories about good and evil. And like many of them are very sophisticated with that. But at the end of the day, like they're stories that pretty much speak to everybody in different ways about kind of say the same sort of thing, right? Um, and a movie like Blade Runner just like doesn't – it doesn't provide those – comfort food things for people. It provides them in other ways. I, I mean, I think I speak for both of us when I say Blade Runner is one of maybe the most comforting movie I can think of mm, in terms of yes, like, yes. just let me hear the sound of the rain on the on the sidewalk and I'm like there in a heartbeat and it feels like home. But philosophically speaking, it is not and it should not be and it should never be. Like this is a movie that nobody listening to this podcast should ever feel completely comfortable with philosophically. I think it should always be un- 
solvable, right? It should always be asking us like, well, what does it matter what labels we put on things? What does it matter about the labels we put on ourselves? Like, why why are we doing this in the first place? And if we don't do it, what happens to us? Like, just these very kind of ineffable questions. So, in a way, I, I guess my closing thoughts here are that the Decorap conversation is a good one that actually makes Blade Runner better. But the attempts to answer it and to argue about it are the things that I actually have trouble with. So all these years that I've been pushing back on doing a Decorap series, it's really been that. It's really been, I, I don't like, like I said, when people turn all the lights on and I can see where the walls are. Mm-hmm. But um, I do think it'd be nice to have some of those people here to to talk with, you know, yes. and then I could maybe knock a wall down or two and be like, oh, maybe you can't really see where it is anymore, you know. For sure. Yeah, I, I am in agreement. Uh, I think the Decker rep is better positioned as a what if. Well, what, is it, what does it mean for you? As opposed to hardlining questions of yes or no, you know, with a yes or no. And it, it's, it will never be a yes or no. And 2049 uh, enshrined that. What is Decker? We don't know what he is. It, so whatever the original film was by the time we reached 2049 we do not know what deckard is even though wallace knew what deckard was or is um so i i'm excited to talk about this more in the context and the company of other people who disagree with us who say no this this is how it is and i this is what it means because this is how it is and having the question posed to them well what does it mean for you if if it's the reverse of that. So I'm excited for that conversation. Thank you guys so much for listening. Yeah. Thank you so much, everybody. And, uh, and specifically before we kind of close with patrons, I also want to really invite people to write into the show on this question and to give us your thoughts on Decorap, you know, if you do fall on a side of it or if you don't and why, um, and I think it'd be really great to get some feedback from listeners on this because it's something that, like we said, you and I kind of agree on, but, um, it, it's, you know, it'll be a much more interesting conversation to get other voices. So please do write to us about that. And also post in Fields of Calantha if you are on Facebook um, and, you know, leave some thoughts in there. And it'd be interesting to get some to get some back and forth going. Um, and then just as we close, we've had a nice slate of new patrons join. Thank you so much, everybody. Uh, thank you especially to Steve Paterson, Adrian Persolia, Giovanni Mazin, Bobby Gilpin, and a brand new, as we record this, high-tier donor – of Don Lawler. You all are absolutely fantastic. And we have lots of content coming for you, including one that we just put out a few days ago. Uh, Jamie got it up. It's on Prey. It's a frame rate. It's a movie that everybody was kind of waiting, not everybody, but a lot of people who know us well were waiting for us to talk about because of our connection to you know 20th century films and Alien. Um, and we had a great time talking about that. We have a lot more coming up, including maybe an episode on Nope, uh, if you'd like to hear us unpack that question more. So uh, so if you'd like to join, it's just Blade Runner Podcast slash support or just go to patreon.com slash perfect organism because it's a sister show and we have the same uh, finances and that would be absolutely wonderful and we'd love to welcome you aboard thank you thank you everyone If you would like to find out more about Shoulder of Orion, the Blade Runner podcast, please go to www.bladerunnerpodcast.com. If you would like to support the show via Patreon, please go to www.bladerunnerpodcast.com forward slash support. Thank you.